Today's episode of the podcast is sponsored by Cassandrinos Olive Oil. Cassandrinos Olive Oil specializes in selling the current year's harvest in olive crops, fresh pressed, direct to consumer. This is the freshest olive oil you will ever find in the United States. It's family-owned and single-sourced organic certified olive oil comes from the orchards in Sparta, Greece. And all their olives are organic and pressed within 24 hours of being picked. It's certified paleo, family, and veteran-owned. And another cool thing is the transparency. All of Cansandrino's olive oils are sent through a chemical analysis, which is so pure it's posted on their website and you can check it out. So head on over to Cassandrinos.com and get your olive oil for your salads, your smoothies, whatever you put olive oil on in your life. And it will never be as fresh as this stuff. Again, that's Cassandrinos.com. K-A-S-A-N-D-R-I-N-O-S.com. K-A-S-A-N-D-R-I-N-O-S.com. And get your olive oil today. Welcome to the Paleo Hacks podcast. Happy Thursday. Thanks for coming back. Right off the bat, you know, there was some weird update with our app our, uh, on iTunes. The RSS feed hasn't switched over. So hopefully by now it's switched over and you can go back through and download all the episodes. I'm pretty sure because I kept getting emails before finally taking care of it. And um, there was a technical mishap, but I think the last one was in June with Drew Manning. Um, but we've had shows every week since then. So for the past two or three months. So if you're looking for the show, there's about 10 sitting there in the, uh, the archives for you to go back through and listen to. But my next show is with guest Josh Weissman from Slim Palette. And he's going to talk about his journey of losing 100 pounds, triple digit numbers there, and why he did it cooking everything from scratch. And basically, look, if you can throw out what's not working and start cooking everything from scratch, that's how you lose weight. Um, so he has a really cool weight loss story. I enjoyed diving into it a lot. Uh, you can find him at Slim Palette. Other announcements, paleohacks.com is the place to be for the forms, articles, and recipes. And if you want to get a hold of me, you can go over to Clark at ClarkDanger.com and just send me an email. Happy to communicate that way. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Stay tuned after the show for a few announcements about updates for this show. And without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Josh Weissman. My next guest lost 100 pounds by completely changing the way he ate. Now through his blog, Slim Palette, he teaches others how they can do the same uh, with gluten-free, paleo-inspired recipes. Here with us today, Josh Weissman. Thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. Good to have you. Good to have you. Um, and before this, you were messing with the lighting, and that's really funny because <laughs> I was going through your Instagram feed, and the one thing that stood out to me was how professional the photography is. And uh, from what I understand, you do all that, correct? Yeah, yeah. I do all my own photography. Uh, most of the photos that you're going to see on my Instagram are actually uh, strictly from my iPhone. No, I don't typically wow. post any photos uh, from my DSLR on my Instagram, um, mainly because I try to keep uh, keep a streamlined level of uh, quality, I guess you could say. And you know, Instagram is meant to be from your phone, so that that's sort of what I do. But yeah, 
I dabble in photography, but it's not, um, I never really studied it. It's, it's really just been a, a little bit of a hobby of mine that I play around with. Yeah, it's really, really good, man, because especially with food, that's the one thing I have a huge appreciation for because when I take a photo of my meal, it looks like garbage, even if it's a great meal. <laughs> it looks disgusting. Well, to be fair, a lot of the time I think that uh, I think that I probably take a little longer than most people would want to in order to get the right shot. Um, of course, over time, the longer you do it, you know, I've been doing it for um, almost three and a half years now. Um, and in the beginning, you know, I was just like any other ordinary person taking picture of their food. I didn't really think much about it. And then there came a lot of knowledge that I sort of learned along the way from studying what other people did. And uh, it just it's second nature now, so I can do it more quickly. But for most people, if they were to try and copy my style of photography, A, uh, and I don't mean this in like a conceited way, but they just they wouldn't be able to do it because I have a specific lighting style. And B, um, it would take them a lot longer because they need to like slow down and realize all all the little steps that come along uh, to creating that right photo. So without giving away the secret sauce, you don't have to tell us how you do it. But like <laughs> if someone out there listening, you know, they want better quality food photos, which I know sure. is, a, is, is a funny place to start, but you might as well. Uh, what What are some tips they can do to make their food photos pop out? Is there any like myths or red flags that we should avoid? Um, in my opinion, I think the most important uh, component to photography in, in any field is going to be lighting, of course. Uh, if it weren't for light, you wouldn't be able to see the food in the first place. So um, it's very important you choose the right kind of light. And I always, always, always recommend before anything else is natural light, you know, natural window lighting coming from the sun, uh, no, no, no overhead light. If it's nighttime, typically I just won't shoot. Uh, I won't take pictures of food at night. I just wait till the sun comes up or I will... Um, occasionally use artificial lighting but very rare cases that's only if i'm really struggling to get a photo out on instagram or something yeah um but yeah definitely natural light and then of course uh you know take some time to style your food a little bit yeah. so if that means like one of the things that's very hard to style is like uh, i don't know beef stew like beef stew isn't necessarily or or any soup for that matter that that is like really one color because it kind of just looks like slop you know like how are you supposed right. to make this look absolutely appetizing and beautiful so you might need to layer some different components on it like chopped parsley or herbs or whatever for contrasting yeah so garnishing and then of course lighting okay well those are those are good tips to start it off but you <laughs> uh you weren't always the guy in the food photography um i know you have a pretty intense story and that's really important to kind of you know, know why you're so passionate about what you're doing—a slim palette and everything else going yeah, on. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what was that like? Can you walk us through it a little bit? Yeah. So um, let's see. I'll, I guess I'll start from the beginning. So uh, I, as for as long as I can remember, uh, prior to my sophomore year in high school, I was pretty much overweight my entire young life in school. So from age, I don't know, probably six to. 15, which is a pretty large age gap, uh, I, I was overweight. And, and uh, I was constantly ridiculed at school and harassed all the time, naturally. And uh, this was before, I don't know if you've seen any of this, before any of the, the anti-bullying ads um, they, yeah. they do, or the anti-bullying rallies and all that. They didn't really have that when I was going through this. It was it was a thing, but it wasn't as prominent as it is now. Uh, but so, so, you know, it was, it was a huge issue. It was happening every day. Um, I actually ate uh, almost my whole school career. I ate lunch in my mom's car, and it was because uh, 
I knew what was waiting for me and it became, it came to a point where it was just like bringing me down as a person and I just couldn't take it. So I just ate lunch in my mom's car, of course. And, uh, so that was pretty much my ultimate worst was that I was just depressed and getting made fun of. And it was, everything was not good. I let that go on for quite a while until I, until it started to affect my health. And then I sort of realized, okay, well, this is, uh, this is not just something that's going to bother me mentally, but this is something that could actually pose a health threat to me in the future. And, uh, at first I ignored that. And then, um, there was a moment where I was going, and I, I, I use this, this story often, but there was a moment that I was going up the stairs and I got winded on like the third step and I stopped myself and I was like, okay, I'm like, I think it was, uh, I think it was 12 or something when that happened. I'm like, I'm 12 years old and I can't climb the stairs without getting winded. Like I should be able, I should be running around in circles right now. Uh, and, and so that was, that was the monumental moment that sort of, ha- I had that, that switch in my mind. Oh. And uh, it just happened after that. You know, I tried and failed for about three years. So for anyone out there who is trying to lose weight and is struggling to lose weight, at least know that for three years straight, I kept trying and failing and trying and failing for three years consistently. I tried everything in the book. I tried all of the different diets. I'm not going to name any specifically, but I tried all of the, the top names in dieting and diet pills and none of that worked. And um, eventually, uh, after three years of, uh, of failing, I just sort of sat myself down I'm like, well, I'm just going to eat real food. I'm sick of trying to cut corners and I'm trying, I'm sick of trying to uh, look at fancy ways that have been told to me by WebMD to lose weight, and I'm just going to eat real food. I'm going to sit sit myself down at dinner, and I'm going to cook everything that I make, and I'm going to make sure that it's organic, it's properly raised, it's properly grown, and above all, I want to I want to start going to farmers markets and start buying locally, and that's it. That's all I did, and I exercised three times a week, and and then I the weight. I started losing weight quite quickly, especially with the metabolism of a young boy. It was pretty easy to lose the weight, and then. Um, and then I discovered paleo and then that sort of like boosted me the rest of the way. And eventually I lost uh, more than a hundred pounds at uh, age 16. And that was sort of when I hit the over 100 pound mark um, wow. then. And so uh, then my, then my blog was started, uh, slimpallet.com. And uh, I really started that thinking that nothing was going to happen. Um, but it actually ended up blowing up pretty quickly. Uh, and I think mainly because of my story, honestly, um, but I did it because I wanted to inspire people and and, uh, and get people cooking and share my recipes. Yeah, it's really fascinating about losing weight and especially such a big number like triple digit figures with 100 pounds. Yeah. But I like what you said about the frustration of trial and error after three yeah. years of you know trying to lose weight and whatever. And we have a, a lot of people on this call who are maybe frustrated because they've tried diets in the past and they just haven't lost weight. And uh, it's kind of what popped into my mind was kind of like the facts on starting a business and that successful entrepreneurs, it takes them two or three times of failure, their complete business. And then on the third one, they finally hit it. And it's it's that learning process. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's completely true. I I don't know if you heard, but um, a a good example of the whole business is trying and failing. Uh, Amazon just turned over a profit like last year, their first profit ever. Dude, they've been in business for so long, and people have been buy- so many people have been buying from them for so long. Yet they just turned over a profit last year. Like how much that blows my mind—the fact that they were in a monetary deficit for so long. But that's that just goes to show, though, is persistence. A lot of the time is what will get you some legitimate results. You just have to you just have to be willing to accept the failure that comes along the way. So, what did you change uh, after three years? What was your 
like what changed in you that didn't work before that you finally what was your tipping point your snapping point to where you got the motivation to make that big commitment well the first thing i tried was like pre-made meals uh i don't know if i can say specific names can i say specific names uh there, there so. was uh, i don't know i haven't like, read the well, I'll say one everyone knows this one it's weight watchers i tried weight watchers uh, I, I, know they, they always promote that it works, but I, I don't know a single person that it's ever worked on. It didn't work on me. I tried it for four months. So four months is plenty of time for there to be some legitimate, uh, body composition change and, and four months, nothing happened. And I was, I was dead set on doing everything correctly. I ate all the meals that they recommended. It just didn't work. In fact, I felt like, you know, I felt like crap all the time, hmm. uh, cause it was such low calorie, you know, like what, 1300 calories for, for a 15 year old, 16 year old boy. That is not enough. Yeah. Um, even if you're trying to lose weight. So, uh, so the, 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 that I tried a lot of the pre-made meals is my point and, uh, none of those worked. So my tipping point, uh, after the calorie, uh, was, was the calorie counting. Um, because after I did, after I tried the pre-made meals, I, I, I was like, all right, well screw those. And the final thing that I tried was, was very strict calorie counting. And, uh, I had, to, I had, I hired a personal trainer. Luckily, luckily uh, the biggest thing that I attribute to my success is that my parents supported me so much. They poured money into a personal trainer so that I could learn about uh, how to do it and how to exercise. And to be quite honest, the nutrition that they were teaching me, and we tried nutritionists too, all the nutrition, I went off of that and tried uh, cooking, um, you know, really low fat meals. You know, you, you use like the spray bottle of olive oil. So there's like yeah. one nine thousandth of a teaspoon in there. Uh, so there's like less than half a gram of fat or whatever in the whole pan. Um, and and that also wasn't working. So it began to frustrate me because it was sort of, I had always had a love for cooking and it was sort of destroying my love for food. It was making me, it was giving me a bad uh, relationship with food. And I was beginning to like hate food. I was blaming food for all my problems. And I think that that's like a really bad place to be. And I think a lot of people are in that position. Um, and so that was my tipping point. I was just like, all right, uh, I've done this for an, uh, you know another four months or five months and it's not working. I've been wasting my time you know, screw it. And, and I looked up some things and the first change that I made, I did make a, a macronutrient change, but it wasn't like I was counting macronutrients. I just, I just pulled back my carbohydrates. Um, because I had read like, Oh, well, carbohydrates, insulin, et cetera, et cetera. I didn't know as much as I do now, but then all I knew was like, well, carbohydrates are bad and they're not now that I know, but then I assumed that. So I, I pulled back my carb, my carbohydrates and, uh, stopped eating like really high, carb dense foods and focused on eating more fats. Um, and it really was that simple. Hmm. And then I just cooked, cooked food with at start, stopped eating like rice and pasta. I, I focused on eating more vegetables. That's why I went to farmer's markets because I had never been much for vegetables. But as soon as I, I don't know, it's really weird for some reason, being a kid that hated vegetables, going to a farmer's market and seeing the people there and seeing the people's excitement, seeing the farmers and meeting them and seeing the food on like with a vine still attached to it or whatever completely changed it, it put a positive reinforcement behind vegetables and suddenly i loved them and just focused on eating more of those and eating more protein and uh, and fat and i just cooked everything from scratch so my rule was uh back then was less carbohydrate more a lot of vegetables more protein and more fat and more specifically cook everything from scratch hmm. okay so the cooking was the big emphasis then yeah and you started seeing a lot of results when you started uh switching from that more higher carb, low fat to more higher fat, real food diet that you cooked. 
Yes, exactly. Yes. Were there any big sticking points? Like, did you have any foods that were super hard to give up or slip ups or cheat days or anything that was a real big challenge? After three years of failing, I had pretty much beaten that out of myself because um, the part of the trying and failing. Um, so super. It's kind of funny, but also a little bit sad. Uh, but it, it does goes to it, it goes to show how uh, how addictive sugar is. Um, when I was dieting with a, with one of these nutritionists, um, you know, they told me what to eat, and I went to three different nutritionists. This was the very first nutritionist I had ever seen. This was my first time legitimately giving up lots of foods. I gave up a lot of things all at once, and uh, so what I did was I would, um, you know, I'd eat the diet that they told me to eat. But whenever we were at the supermarket, uh, I would slip in like a Butterfinger or something in my mom's groceries and she would pay for it unknowingly. And then I'd hide it in my pocket and I'd go eat it later. Like it, 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 it's kind of, it's kind of funny. Like I laugh at it now, but looking back at it, like that's a little bit ridiculous. Um, you know, looking at, if you take a step back and look at the, the entire thing from a subjective standpoint. And, uh, I was that addicted to it though. I was that, that addicted to it. It was like a drug. I needed to, I needed to get my Butterfinger fix. <laughs> and so, uh, after going through that and, and overcoming that, once I got to the point where I, I was sitting myself down and I was like, I'm just going to do this, I had already sort of beaten all those thoughts out of me in a way. You know, I, I already pushed them out of my mind. It wasn't really a thought because I had already gone through it. So it just, it, it, it was very much, I, did, I sort of went cold turkey. Yeah. But then again, it was like, you know, after three years of trying and failing, it's quite easy to just you know, turn it off and just do it after you, you know, have failed so many times. What I'm hearing too is like with the cooking and with the motivation, that snapping point of three years trial and error. And it's, it sounds like a lot of education. Like you started learning a lot more and that helped the process too. And maybe was the distinguishing factor between the first time, first three years and the sec and this hundred pound weight loss, because, you know, a lot of people out there, when they start getting educated and they start learning about whether, whether it be factory farming or organic food or high right. fat or why low fat is wrong or whatever, right. um, they have more motivation behind it and it's in the learning they find that. Yeah, no, that, that's exactly that. that I, I, I think that that is definitely attributed to it. Uh, you know, it was the combination of put, putting myself through the process of, well, I've already, I've already gone through the, the failures that I needed to face and I had the, information that I needed to be equipped with to make that switch. And so when I did it, 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 even though, you know, nothing like this is ever linear, of course, you know, just like business is never linear, like you said before, but, um, the process of going through all that, you know, rough terrain for a couple of years, when it did come to make the switch, it just sort of fell into place really beautifully. Everything just sort of landed where it needed to land. And it, and it it just, it, it, from that point on, I continuously lost weight up until, a certain point, and then I was just there, and I kept it off. Yeah. Uh, so it, it worked out quite well, I think, even despite the you know the three years. Yeah, and the people you know they might say, "Oh, it was easy for Josh to do it because he was a growing boy, you know, and his body was working for him." But I'm a 35 year old or 55 year old postmenopausal woman. Like there are differences, obviously, yes. but the same yes. principles are are true. It's when you strip it down, yeah. cut the crap, get back to real food. And yeah. then, and then, you know, that's the, that's the foundation. And then you got to do individual testing and hormones are another yeah. factor, but simplest yeah. form is kind of what you did. That's the baseline. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And, and, you know, in response to somebody, I have had people, uh, uh, say that to me, like, well, what am I supposed to do? You know, you had so right. many things in favor. And it's like, well, yes, I agree. I did have, 
you know, the fact that I was younger, I had that in my favor. I did. But then again, at that point, it, it, it could it could come down to as simple as as just a difference in, in, in dietary choice. You know, they will they will have to eat a different diet than I did. But at the same time, um, uh, another thing that I would have a, as a rebuttal to that is also I was eating the same things that my friends were and I was just as active as my friends were and I still got fat. Hmm, so, yeah. I mean, it's just like at the same time, I don't really know where I was metabolic wise, but I was definitely not in the same metabolic state as my friends. And yeah. then on top of that, you know, I had, I could, I didn't really get to be, a, I didn't get to be a kid as much as everybody else. And I got kind of got that taken away from me. It, and, and so a lot of the time I had to, you know, sit down with my, with my different food in the cafeteria while everyone else ate the same thing. And I was the oddball out. And so sometimes that was a little bit of a challenge, but you know, everybody has, is going to have a different battle with whatever it may be. Um, and I think that, I think that everyone has a solution though. It's just a, you know, dietary choice Yeah, and everybody's different, you know, what kind of, uh, resources were you learning from? What were some of your favorite either blogs or books or where did you get most of your information making that change? The first book I ever got that actually legitimately helped me and taught me more about nutrient density and lowering carb count was, uh, I don't know if he's a, he's a celebrity fitness guy. So he gives into a lot of uh, dogmatic things that, that I think you and I wouldn't agree with anymore. But back in the day, this is the first, my first resource of, uh, of course, uh, it was a uh, Jorge Cruz's, uh, belly fat, something lose belly fat mm-hmm. or something like that. Or, um, that was my first, first book. And then, uh, after that, pretty much the internet guided me from that point. Um, a lot of uh, paleo hacks was actually one of the websites that I, that I frequented a lot when I was, uh, when I went paleo, uh, it was paleo hacks. It was, um, um, Mark's daily apple. Of course, many people, uh, commonly refer to that one, Rob Wolf. Um, and, uh, what's his name? Chris Kresser. Okay. Uh, those, that, that was sort of my, my ring of information. And so I would go back and forth Whenever I had a question that those websites didn't answer, I'd turn to Paleo Hacks. Whenever I had a question that one of them didn't answer, I would just go off of that. And then uh, over time, I sort of took all the information that I had and I manipulated it into something that was practical for myself. And and also, and of course, I also put my own opinions in things, you know. Yeah. Because even though there's inf- there may be a study out on the internet that says, oh well, this is uh, this is bad for you and this is good for you. You know, you got to do this, don't do this. But then at the same time, it's like, okay, but if I do that, I'm going to feel like shit, so I'm not going to do that. You sure. know what I mean? Sure. So yeah. I, I also personalized it in a way too. It's not like I just took all the information and just was like, well, this is me now. You know what I mean? Uh, I I, I uh, used it in a more flexible way. I think experimenting's big, you know, you got to try it out for yourself and tweak it to your individual yeah. But if I'm curious, then this is one of my favorite questions. If Josh had to put on an index card, his, I guess, weight loss strategy, or for someone out there listening, they heard mm. your story, they're really inspired, they're ready to give it a shot. What would be on that index card? Three or five points or depends okay. on how small you uh, write. <laughs> how many, how many sentences do you think I could write really small? Uh, well, okay. Um, let me see. I want to condense this en- enough to the point where it's realistically on a, on a, on an index card. Uh, well, the first thing that I would say, I think the main point would be to cook everything from sca- scratch. You know, and uh, Michael Pollan has said this before too. Uh, Michael Pollan references this too, but I think it's really important to start cooking first off before anything else. Before worrying about dietary choices, before worrying about organic, blah blah blah, yada yada yada. There's a lot of buzz- buzzwords out there which can make this very confusing. So let me simplify it. Just start cooking again. Every meal that you eat should be cooked from home. Just start like that. Um, and it can be whatever you want. Uh, and a lot of the time you'll find that people just generally start to eat more healthy foods that way. Um, 
So that would be my first point. Start cooking from home, uh, everything from scratch. My second point would be, um, exercise, but don't see exercise as a form of, uh, covering things up. You know what I mean? Just use it as supplementary. So three times a week. So exercise three times a week or more if you want. Uh, and then my third point, I'll do three points. My third point would be, um, go to farmer's markets and, and try to get most of your food from local, local, uh, suppliers. Hey, this is Clark reminding you that this podcast is sponsored by Cassandrinos Olive Oil. They specialize in selling the current year's harvest olive oil, which is really unique because a lot of companies just kind of sell whatever's available to them. They gather olives, they press them, might be from multiple farms, might be from multiple countries, and they do so whenever they have the time. What Cassandrinos does is they single source all their olives and they press them within 24 hours of being picked. That means you're getting the freshest possible product you ever can get. Another cool part is the level of transparency they have behind their olive oils. Um, All of them go through the chemical analysis and they post it on their website. Now, many of you know the benefits of olive oil or just high fats in general. And what's really unique about fats is that the quality determines how good or bad they are for you. So that's why it's so important to use the highest quality ingredients, the highest quality fats you can. Sourcing it from Cassandrinos olive oil is a great way to do that in your diet and your life. So head on over to Cassandrinos.com. That's K-A-S-A-N-D-R-I-N-O-S.com and get your olive oil today. All right. Back to the show. I, the reason why I don't say anything about like carbohydrates or macronutrient profile choices for people is because everyone's different, and I don't want to be like, well, don't eat carbs or don't eat this or whatever, um, because it just depends on the person. So yeah. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. Well, and two, if you're cooking everything from scratch, it's going to be kind of a lot more work to cook bread and cook yeah. pasta and cook everything else that's yeah, carbohydrate-ish exactly. from scratch. And so by default, you'll probably eat less carbs, even if you don't worry about it. No, yeah, completely. You'll, you'll probably end up eating if you are. Usually calories aren't the biggest issue with a lot of people, but you'll probably end up eating less calories too. So, I mean, not, not, not that I'm giving into the calories in, calories out myth or whatever. I'm just, I'm just saying that sure. if, if that is an issue with some people, um, then that could be you know another thing resolved. Uh, it popped in my head when you were talking about exercise. Drew Manning, have you ever heard of him? Uh, the fit to fat to fit guy. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the guy. That's the guy that was ripped and then he like got fat yeah. on purpose thing and then was ripped again. Okay, right. yeah. Yeah, he uh, was on the show um, about two months ago and he was talking about his journey about gaining seventy six pounds in I think six yeah twenty four weeks of so fat? six months yeah so he went from he was this really ripped trainer and he didn't understand why there was why his clients it was so hard for them to lose the weight so in order to empathize or sympathize with them better he gained 76 pounds in six months and then he lost it all live documenting the whole process but um why i'm bringing it up is because he said for the first i think three months of when he was losing the 76 pounds he said no exercise just diet because i wanted to show that you can lose weight without exercise and that sometimes exercising is detrimental because you think you can eat yeah. more food or junk food or you actually burn through sugar so now you crave it more you might crave more carbohydrates based on the exercise you do so it was just a really fascinating 
uh, to hear his reasoning behind why he didn't exercise in order to lose weight. That's crazy. That, that, that must've been a really interesting experience yeah. for, for him. <laughs> Going the opposite route. Yeah, that's 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 uh, that's ballsy. That's crazy. Yeah, he got a lot of flack for it though because people were like, "Oh, you don't know what it's actually like to to be overweight. You just did it for show." And but I mean, he was a really genuine guy. He was on the show and he was talking about it, and um, he was very upfront with like, "Yeah, I don't know a hundred percent what it's like to be overweight my whole life, but at least I got a little glimpse for six months into what yeah. some people might be struggling with." So he gained seventy six pounds in how long? I think six months. So, really? yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty That's really fast. fast. Yeah, it was, he That's had a really good time fast. doing it. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been that must have been a good time. Yeah, I was like, Drew, did how, he lost? Did he lose it all in six months too? Yep, yep. So he went up and then down. I mean, his Fitbit chart for the weight goals was a, a giant mountain for a year. Really? That's yeah. crazy. Okay, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, it was a good story. That's 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 pretty fast. Not bad. Yeah, and, and he kept his mass. He did. Yeah, he kept his size. He was a personal trainer. And so he uh, he got it all back and everything, which I think, you know, there's probably a set point. Everyone has a genetic set point of where their body naturally wants to stay. Like for me, 185 is where I naturally stay at. And if I want to be thinner or leaner, I have to really work hard to drop below that. But on the other end, I don't go above 185 and I can pretty much eat whatever I want and stay there. So it's kind of like maybe maybe with him, there was some set point with he's been muscular for so long that it was easier for him to lose the weight um, and return back down. But nevertheless, fascinating guy. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm curious then, Josh, um, you know, recently, like what you're currently doing now, do you do any sort of like health practices or health hacks or anything kind of supplementary besides diet and exercise that you have found really work uh, in, in terms of my, for, for my own gain or, or for, for other people could be like lifestyle or sleep or some people talk about cold showers or oh, sure. fasting or anything. Yeah. Um, okay. So it depends. Uh, I have tried a lot of things after losing the weight. Uh, I did try, uh, intermittent fasting for a while that, um, I, I was trying to do a body recomposition with that. I was trying to maintain being lean while gaining muscle mass. Yeah, that did not work for me. Uh, I ended up just losing more and more and more and more fat. I got really skinny for a while. I don't know if you saw in the before and after, but there was a portion where I was really skinny, and then uh, and then I got um, I gained a bunch of muscle after that. Um, mm. But uh, so I, I did try intermittent fasting. Uh, now I now I use it more for um, if if now that I know how, about how intermittent fasting works, I do use it sometimes, but I don't use it regularly. Um, also, let's see, I do uh, I do cold showers too. Um, in the morning, um, specifically because when you lose that much weight, a lot of the time you will have like leftover loose skin. And so doing, uh, doing, um, cold showers has helped that a lot. Uh, in, in like, I I don't remember the exact science behind it, but it has helped specifically not, not a lot, but visibly a little bit, like Um, reduce, reduce the loose skin and tighten everything back up. Yeah, sort of in a way it's, it's supposed to increase blood circulation in those areas where the skin may not have as much blood circulation. So you get more blood circulating there and it sort of in a way rejuvenates your, your skin a little bit. Um, and that, that sort of has worked for me uh, a little bit, but you know, it depends on how extreme your case is. And, um, yeah, and I do that. And then I also do, um, if I'm, if I'm trying to get, uh, 
if I'm trying to bulk up, a lot of the time I'll calorie and, and uh, carb backload. So I'll just eat the majority of my calories and carbs uh, at the end of the day to minimize my fat gains whenever I'm bulking. Yeah, um, yeah. And yeah, so those are pretty much my only tricks. I try to keep things pretty genuine. Um, I, I haven't, uh, I, I still dabble in some stuff, but right now I, I, I'm, I'm not like, I'm not doing too many crazy, crazy biohacking or, or uh, body hacks or anything like that. Yeah, it seems yeah. like... Uh, it can be sort of a distraction to a certain extent with like the supplements and the hacks and just everything crazy that you can get going on and you lose sight of that index card that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, exactly. No, I I completely agree with when, when I was really crazy into biohacking and, 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 uh, and body hacking and and intermittent fasting and calorie backloading, carb backloading and nutrient partitioning timing and blah, 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 all these crazy buzzwords. Uh, I, I was doing so many things all at once. That's what screwed me over when I got too skinny. And the thing that, that really helped me gain muscle mass and bulk up was just to eat more food. (laughs) Literally, literally just change my, change my workout regimen to something that was more advantageous to muscle mass gaining. So something more geared towards lower, uh, weight, higher repetition. Uh, you know, um, uh, I can't remember what it's called for some reason now. Um, whenever you're lowering your weight slowly, I can't centric. Is that yeah. It? yeah, 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 uh, yeah, and and so uh, I do, I'll do like slower eccentric movements and and stuff like that, and then I'll just simply eat more calories. Hmm. You know, I'll eat more everything. Um, I, I <laughs> this is not a super paleo thing to do, but I did it with raw milk when I was gaining uh, when I was bulking because at at the at my thinnest um, when I was eighteen, I weigh or was it seventeen my, between seventeen and eighteen. I weighed, I'm six foot one, by the way, um, between 17 and 18, I weighed 135. Hmm. Now I weigh 205 and I'm, I'm 20 now and I weigh 205 and I'm six foot one. And like, I'm pretty decently lean, not like, you know, 7% body fat, but I'm decently lean at 205. Um, and, and I got there by, uh, just eating like, I was eating like 6,000 calories a day. I was eating a ton, a ton. Yeah. So I, what was it? Were you just working out and backloading and doing what you were talking about, real food? Yeah, I was eating as much. Yeah, it was it was completely real food oriented. I didn't want to be the type of bodybuilder bulking guy that goes out and to, goes to Pizza Hut every day to get his calories in. Right. I did it all with real food, which is extremely difficult to get 6,000 calories of only real food related foods because you sit down with like a ton of food and be like, this is only 1,000 calories. Like this is not enough uh, for my bulking. So what I did was I did um, – I, I buy my food from a local farmer, I, and I bought a bunch of raw milk. And uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Go Mad method. Yeah, the gallon of milk a day. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I did. Uh, I did the Go Mad method with raw milk. <laughs> did it work? It, with, it worked. It worked. Yeah, I put it put uh, seventy pounds on me, man. Wow. In uh, in in uh, in a year, I put on seventy pounds. It's a lot of raw milk, man. Yeah, that's a. It's a lot. Well, I only did the raw milk, uh, the Go Mad method for. Um, I believe 14 weeks. Yeah. And then, uh, out of the future future drew Manning over here. (laughs) I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think so. But, uh, but for, for, for 14 weeks, 12 to 14 weeks, I did the go mad method. And then the remainder of the year, I just ate a surplus of calories, which was like probably 4,000 or so in real food. So, but you do have to eat a lot, you know, you sit, I would sit down and I sort of had to, completely changed my mindset from being like, well, I have to be careful to what I eat to, I have to sit down and I need to eat six cups of, uh, 
I, this is sort of a gray area for paleo, but I did six cups of uh, cooked white rice, you know, half a cup of butter on there. Oh, how dare you? You eat rice? I, yeah, I know, right? How dare I? The carbohydrate devil. Yeah, that's, that's you, Josh. <laughs> and, uh, and, and half a chicken and a bunch of vegetables and, you know, three glasses of, of raw milk. And it's hard to sit down and, and, and eat that much, but that, that's what I had to do. Yeah. Wow. Um, I was going to say something before we started talking about the GoMad. What were we talking about? Before Especially the- went off, off, off the rails. Yeah, there. we were talking about something. Oh, education, learning, too many things at once. Yeah. And that when you distill it back down to the index card, it's more manageable. Because when you're trying so many crazy things, you don't know what works. And yeah. it could be any one of those variables. And then yes. the golden rule of science is to change one thing per experiment and compare yeah. it to the last one. And so with people out there, you know, if they focus on those index card, that basicness, cooking their own food, uh, results will probably come faster than if they're trying to bounce around all the time. Yeah, I agree. So with cooking then, um, I know we're almost we're almost out of time. Um, that's a big one. You recommend cooking their own food. You do slim palate. You got lots of recipes over there. Yeah. Um, how do you come up with what to eat? I know that's a broad question, but yeah, <laughs> what's kind of how your inspiration? Come, what do I come up to eat like on, on the daily? Yeah. Like for people out there that are just kind of bored with eating one ingredient foods, how do you mix it up? Uh, well, a lot of the time, and this is going to vary depending on who's cooking because it depends on how intuitive you are in the kitchen. Um, for me, you know, I've had years and years of experience cooking. I've worked in kitchens, uh, at restaurants, so I, I know how to do it, but a lot of the time I'll just buy random ingredients. You know, I'll pick a protein. If I'm in the mood for pork, you know, I'll grab pork or, uh, I'll get, um, something for uh, random things from the farmer's market and I'll figure out, just make something, just put it all together in a, in a pan with, with olive oil. Um, a lot of the time, I think the best thing for people to do is to layer your food layer it. So like first separate everything out because it's already very confusing just being like, well, here's a dish with rosemary, rose potatoes and blah, 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 blah. And it's all like considered one thing. But the real reality is that there's multiple components to that meal. Hmm. So just layer your food and, and make it a little more orderly. So be like, all right, well, you have uh, say you could have your, um, I don't know if you do, but if you do uh, potatoes, then you could do like a mix of sweet potatoes and regular potatoes That'll be one portion of the side and then have like a, a leafy green or some sort of vegetable and then pick a protein. And then all of those, those three components you can customize however you want. So, you know, if you have your vegetables, you don't always have to saute them. You don't always have to roast them. You can do anything with them. You know, you can make it into a soup. You could just pick pick the essential bits, so the three components, and then pick a cooking method for each one and then just mix and match, you know. I, that's that's what I've always done. Okay, so thinking of things as individual versus one giant conglomerate meal that has right. to all be prepped at once. Right. Correct. So when people come up to you and they say, "Josh, I can't cook. I'm not very confident in my skills. How do I? But I want to get better. You know, I know cooking is a big part of that index card. Um, where do you tell them to start? How do they get into cooking? Well, I tell them to buy my book usually. No. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, typically the best thing for people who don't know how to cook, honestly, 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 is to just, I feel like, and I don't know for sure, but I feel like a lot of the people who are saying that haven't tried enough because it's not as hard as it looks. I, I know people who are like, oh, well, I just can't cook. Like, I just can't do it. 
It's like I've never I've been to your house several times. I've never seen you cook a meal in your life. So <laughs> I don't really know how many times you're actually testing whether or not you can cook, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I know there are mistakes to be made when cooking. But if you have a list of instructions in front of you, if you follow those list of instructions exactly the way they are told, you know, take the pan, put it on the fire, turn the fire to medium, put a tablespoon of coconut oil in there and let it melt and then pour your veg- vegetables in there. You know, I mean, it's it's not. Yeah rocket science it's really yeah, paying not. your taxes is harder than following a recipe i, I yeah exactly yeah, so everyone's <laughs> so, capable of paying their taxes therefore you can cook because you did it well enough to not get the government yeah. knocking on your door or something yeah and and also one of the things i think i forgot to say was cooking is sort of a part of what makes us human you know uh if it if it was not for cooking i mean cooking it really is there's like what there's no other animal that cooks their food so I mean, that's sort of part of our DNA. We, we, if we couldn't cook, we would not survive. So I would hope that you'd be able to find a way to cook. And I think the main, the main point there is if you really can't figure it out by, by doing it uh, intuitively, then the first thing to do is to find a cookbook you like or, or find a recipe online and cook it exactly to the dot, like it says. And yeah. I think that you will be surprised to find out that you can cook. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that, man. I think it's important to... It gives you back a sense of, for me, like control over yourself and your environment yeah. and your surrounding and confidence. And when you yeah. can, when you know how to do it, at least now if you're choosing not to, like you're paying someone else to, or maybe you're in a position of where you can get pre-made meals or whatever your method of choice is, at least you know you still can. You have the underlying knowledge. Um, man, we're almost out of time, but Slim Palette. Is there any recipes people should start with over there? Like, are there any fan favorites, Josh? Ooh, fan favorites. Uh, one that gets the, that I get complimented on a lot is uh, the pork chops in my book. They're um, they're pan roasted pork chops with uh, lemon, sage, and uh, like this special spice blend. Um, they're really simple. You just like pan uh, pan fry them in like bacon fat or whatever your whatever your choice of cooking fat is, and um, you coat them in a spice, and they're finished with lemon and, and uh, sage. And okay. those are pretty good. Um, and then also I have uh, – there's a couple on my blog. Cauliflower tortillas on my blog. Mm. Uh, they're tortillas basically – that's actually my, my number one famous recipe on my blog. Um, but they're, they're tortilla-shaped you know, things. You can fill them with whatever you want and use them as tortillas or use them as flatbread. And they're made with cauliflower. As, as a lot of people know who that's are creative, already – Thanks. Yeah, that's really As a lot creative. of people who are already in paleo, they know that cauliflower is sort of like the magic vegetable that you can turn into like pizza and like <laughs> rice and, and whatnot. So um, that's sort of what inspired that was that, uh, you know, everyone was turning it into these other things. So those are two good recipes that people can work off of. And then um, I'm, I, 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 for some reason, I can't think of many off the top of my head. I have a lot of decent uh, healthy desserts on my uh, on my blog that are lower in sugar and uh, – and all that if, if people get a sweet craving because I know, you know, we're all human. We're all going to get a, a craving for something sweet at some point. So, Josh, uh, at the end of the show, our closing question, um, what's been the biggest lesson you've learned in 2016 so far? can be about oh, food. Just 2016. can be about life. can be about anything you want. The biggest lesson. Biggest lesson in 2016. That is a, that's a big question. I know. It's a big one. Uh, the biggest lesson that I learned um, – I learned how to manage my money the hard way since I moved out of my parents' house uh, not long ago, about six months ago. So uh, that was I, I learned it in 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 um, hands on, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. 
yeah it gets real <laughs> yeah yeah it gets it's, it's just like oh i didn't know that you could spend that much money on food yeah absolutely yeah. man well cool josh slim palette is that the best place for people to go and and find out you and what you're doing yeah yeah uh they can find me uh on slimpalette.com um I'm usually pretty active on my, uh, my Instagram, which is, uh, actually not my Instagram's not my handle on there. It's not my, uh, not slim palette. My handle is uh, Joshua Weissman. It's uh, at J O S H U A W E I S S M A N. I need to find a way to shorten that. Um, and, uh, yeah, so that's my Instagram handle and then everything else is under uh, slim palette. So okay. Twitter and Facebook and my website. Awesome. Josh, thanks so much for coming on, man. Uh, till yeah. next time. We'll, yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll be in touch. Sweet. Thank you so much for having me. All right, Paleo Hackers. Thanks for watching or listening, depending on where you are, um, for that show. Really interesting stuff with Josh Weissman. Again, slimpalette.com is where you can find him. He's all over social media as well. Get on over there and check him out. So a lot of you know this show has come to an end. Um, nothing bad happened. We're just not producing it anymore starting in October. So this is one of the last remaining shows. I think we have six more scheduled or something like that. Um, and the gist of it, you know, I think I spoke about it earlier in, in other podcasts at the end. So if you want the full story, head on over to those episodes and, and listen to the end bits. Um, I've really enjoyed doing this over the past three years for you all. I love your emails. I love your support. And um, it's a really cool community we have here with the show. But uh, new directions are calling everyone, both Paleo Hacks and myself. And so we are not producing it anymore. Um, But we do have six shows scheduled, about six in the queue for the remaining shows. And then I'm going to do something special for the last one, most likely. Um, If you want to stay in contact, though, do not fear. I'm going to still be doing online, uh, maybe not radio, but just definitely content on the YouTube stuff. So just search Clark Danger on YouTube. It'll pop right up with um, the personal growth channel we have over there. And that's the best place to go to stay up to date. I post about two or three videos a week and we talk about all sorts of big ideas as well as health and wellness. Paleohacks.com is the place you can go for articles recipes, blogs, and more, and our archives over there. Stay up to date on all the latest episodes. That's paleohacks.com. Next week, I believe we have Dan coming on to talk about parkour training. The week after that, we have Abel James making his return. Um, I actually can't remember off the top of my head what we spoke about, but I remember laughing a lot. Oh, it was his TV show, My Diet's Better Than Yours on ABC. And that whole experience. So that's going to be a great show. All right. I'll see you back here next week.